You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Techie Leadership Show. Today we have with us we have Mihai Dragic, who is the founder and CEO of Pay by Face. Mihai Dragic is a serial entrepreneur with almost 20 years of experience turning ideas into products and launching startups in several countries, including Romania, USA, Canada, Mexico, and India. He has founded over 25 companies that range from sole proprietorship in smaller local markets to several limited liability partnerships and corporations doing business around the world. He has two provisional patents on proprietary technology for a mobile dispatching terminal used in taxis, a lottery gaming system for non-banked markets, and one non-provisional application submitted for a luggage checking device. Oh, I hope that's as as good as it sounds, because I hate it when I lose my luggage. I hate it. He also owns a registered trademark, Pay by Face, a biometric payment platform. When asked to give details about Mihai, Sarah Garrison, Senior Vice President of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, had this to say, quote, Mr. Dragic is an entrepreneur and has worked on a number of innovations. His ideas are relevant and timely, and his orientation is towards solving problems. He shows great initiative and is always willing to make the extra effort as required. Mr. Dragic has huge growth potential in leadership and management, architecture, and IT development. He is also well-versed in modernization of operations and performance scalability planning. Hello, Mihai, and welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the introduction. Cool. And uh, yeah, it's it's been quite a journey so far, but I, I feel like I'm just getting started. <laughs> just getting started. <laughs> just awesome. getting started. So, yeah. Do you want to add anything else about yourself? Um, well, you know, this, I can't. I can't speak for Sarah. She's an amazing woman, and um, I, I worked for her for for several years in America um, uh, at a company called Vertifor, and I and I learned a lot. She was she was like mother, you know, my corporate mother. <laughs> uh, so so I, I I had a lot of mentorship and advice uh, advice from from her extensive um, you know knowledge in 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 leading organizations and building, you know, billion dollar companies, um, in addition to form, you know, being the former senior vice president at Visa, um, you know, I, I kind of got a lot of the things that uh, concepts, you know, that I'm using to grow pay by face kind of came, you know, from, from the Seattle, Dubai, 18 hour flight on Emirates, you know, sitting with Sarah to my right, and a gentleman uh, named Cheeto Mansala, who was the chief system architect of Visa, um, to my left, Whoa. you know, drinking whiskey uh, on an 18-hour flight to Dubai. You know, what are you going to talk about? I don't know. Let's talk about building a better Visa. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, some, you're right? Yeah. So quite, quite interesting experiences that I've been through um, the past 20 years. Uh, building companies all over the world and uh, working, you know, in, in, in enterprise engineering uh, very challenging projects where basically, you know, all the managers would run away except me. And, and uh, you know, I'd be like, well, okay, what's cool. the most difficult problem that this company has? And that, those are the projects I would be put at. So, so I've, I've been, you know, I've been breaking down walls and turning no's into yeses for the last 20 years. <laughs> so never shying away from difficulty and just going where... 
yeah go go where no man has gone before <laughs> yeah punching above your weight that's good that's yeah. good. adversity always builds character and builds our experience and our and our drive to do more better faster stronger oh my god i'm starting to sound like honey <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yep and perseverance i mean you know the more the more you go through it you know everyone's going to say no or you do it try to sway you in a different direction or think they know how to do it better or you know or you have days where you're just like i don't even know what i'm doing <laughs> but you keep going and uh you know eventually if you believe in it good enough and you have the skills you know to to solve those problems uh, the last one standing is the unicorn <laughs> yeah yeah True, true that. And you're working on it. I'm working on it. Yeah. So <laughs> just a quick uh, history, you know, like, um, so yeah, I, I left Romania when I was like four or five and uh, communist times. And, and uh, we got out of the country a little bit early. And then uh, this was in 85. And I lived in, in the States. Uh, and then about three years ago, I, um, I was living on a sailboat in Seattle. You know, I was building a winery in Washington State. And I was just kind of fed up with America. I was like bored. You know, I'd, I'd done so many startups. I'd worked so many places. I was like, what else is there to do? Okay, let's sell another house. Let's buy another house. Let's whatever. It was kind of boring. And I hadn't been back to Europe uh, for about 25 years, you know, just kind of being Ooh. in career mode. I, you know, just, just never got to it. And uh, my grandma turned 89 three years ago, and, and my mom was like, why don't you go see grandma in Bucharest? You know, maybe, maybe you'll see something new. Maybe you'll, you'll get some more ideas. And so that's what I did. You know, I got on a plane and went to Bucharest three years ago. And, and within the first week, I was like, oh, man, this is the wild, wild east. Like, <laughs> this, this is, there's gold in the hills. <laughs> Um, are their hills <laughs> yeah exactly so i was like everyone's leaving romania you know well, i'm everyone's running that way back. i'm i'm gonna come this way and and clearly it was uh you know with my experience and knowledge it was it was just the right time at the right place you know and uh i took full advantage of that so i i pretty much within the first month i i I launched about 12 startups i thought of every startup i could possibly think of that i've done in my life and i relaunched it in Bucharest all of them at the same time, um, you know, formed set LS, bought like 30 domain names, you know, went to networking events and just started go, 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 go. And uh, first year, uh, after the first year, about six of them survived. Uh, and after the second year, two of them survived. So, you know, the ratio of <laughs> being an entrepreneur and starting <laughs> a company, uh, like we all know, it's not easy and mostly all fail. But, you know, I, I have a process now in place, you know, I have sort of the way I build a company where it gives me a little bit better chances. So, so out of those 12 or so ideas, after two and a half years, two of them were survivors and one of them is pay by face. Uh, and the other one is medic pad. Um, and clearly both of them, you know, given the COVID situation that we've, the whole world has gone through, medical tech medical solutions and biometric hands-free payment solutions clearly are the are the most applicable solutions in our marketplace right now so so it kind of you know it shows that you know market fit problem solution fit and all the you know all the sort of guidelines that that all these accelerators and incubators worldwide you know tell you you have to you have to run through a certain process it's showing that it the process does work and if you stick to it it, it can give you better chances yeah. 
and you couldn't have picked a better time to come back to to Romania. It's true, 15 years ago, you might have gotten more bang for your buck, or you might have uh, been able to to uh, import new things, new mentalities, be the true frontier explorer. But nowadays, pretty much Romania caught up. There, you you don't you don't feel as as many differences as in the past. But still, you can apply good techniques that work in uh, other markets, Western markets. And you know, for sure you can apply them here because you know, same type of living, pay by card, go by taxi, work in glass <laughs> towers. Yeah. Same people. Yeah, there, there's definitely some, you know, there, there's definitely some um, challenges, you know, it's not, def it's not one for one carbon copy of America, um, you know, and it's like the cultural differences just the, the the appetite for risk, you know, and investments and, and that sort of ROI, like how long are you willing to wait for your investment to come back? Those those mathematical formulas are not the same. Um, and so, you know, I was planning on, on failure. <laughs> I, I was planning on just, you know, using two years of, of savings and you know, everything to, to just give it a shot and see what happens, but I didn't expect anything to happen. Um, I just wanted to, to do it. Um, and, and, you know, lucky for me, actually COVID and, and what happened accelerated the adoption of these last two standing startups. And, you know, now we're sort of crossed that, you know, death valley that they say, you know, before your first revenue, yeah. you're, you're walking through the desert, like without water, you know, chewing on glass the whole time, no idea if you're going to survive. That's kind of the feeling of startups. And, uh, you know, it just happened to, to actually be, you know, be very well, good for us, um, the pandemic in a, in a business sense and, and just, you know, the change that's happening in behavior and contactless payments and, you know, digital currency and all that stuff. And, and then obviously, you know, medical, medical technology yeah. like robots and thermal scanning and all that things. So digital automate, digital, digital transformation, uh, you know, robotic process automation, like UiPath is clearly, you know, leading the, the global strategy on RPA. These sort of technologies, using technology to help humans be safer, you know, secure, trust, all these, you know, elements are important. And I think people are starting to finally catch on that, you know, robots are not just like in Hollywood, uh, Terminator. Uh, they're, they're actually, they, you know, they're more like Wally. They're more like Wally, yeah. And and so, you know, um, I think there's, there's a really bright future if, you know, if we can... Um, educate uh, and create solutions that actually fulfill uh, and solve problems. Yeah, that is true. And Mihai, with your vast experience, I'm really curious about your stories. And we can even pick the one to start with the success story or the failure story. Which one would make like a, for a great progression? Um, well, success is definitely a great topic. Uh, it's, it's motivating and encouraging to other entrepreneurs, um, but it's success is not easy to attain. So I, sometimes I really like to talk about failures because I've had a lot of failures. Um, yeah, I've gone through really crazy failures, you know, co-founder failures, lawsuits, losing all the money, like firing employees, having no money left in the accounts, you know, leaving my family, even losing, you know, a relationship with my daughter at one point because I wanted to build a startup so bad. And, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of decisions that you make as an entrepreneur and a founder that sometimes it's, it's almost like absurd, you know, like, how do you, how do yeah. you make that decision? Um, and so sometimes, you know, it's, it's because it's not about me, you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with building something 
bigger than me, right? Building something that solves problems for not just me and, you know, my wife or whatever. It's solving problems for a lot of people. And so it goes beyond the sacrifices I have to make to attain that goal. And sometimes the decisions you have to make to attain those goals are just ridiculous. Like nobody in their right mind would make them. Um, and, you know, I've learned many times over, you know, building so many startups um, worldwide that there comes those days where you're literally, you walk up right to the edge of a cliff, you know, in, in a tent, in a, like a, you know, abstract manner, but you're literally standing right on a cliff, you know, and your toes are right off the edge and, and you have to keep your you have to keep your composure <laughs> you know you got to stand there like the the red bull guys you know that are about to jump off a cliff and act like a flying squirrel you know then they stand there like oh, they've yeah. done it all day long like i i'd be freaking out if i had to even just look at that guy <laughs> right and so that sometimes it's kind of like that when you're building a company from the ground up you know you have these moments where you're like i don't even know if tomorrow we'll we'll still be alive you know like it, it's either today or or that's it um, there's been several moments in the last 20 years where it's literally been right on the edge of a cliff and have the faith and belief that, you know, you did everything you possibly could. And the next day, it's literally a, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but it's a fucking miracle. And <laughs> so those are the defining moments that, you know, really create some, some like whys in your path of life. You know, where you could have at any moment, it could have taken you a totally different direction. But because you stood strong and you really believed in what you're doing, you know, regardless of what everybody told you, it totally changes the rest of the rest of the future. And, uh, you know, the, every time you have those crossroads, uh, if you pick the right side, <laughs> you know, then uh, then good things can happen. And... Uh... <clears throat> For, for out of curiosity, do, is it usually for the for better the change and the fact that you looked into abyss and you didn't blink? Yes, it's, it's for better. Back. Yes, it's definitely for better. I mean, uh, those moments are not going to be for worse because you you try to avoid the worst ones. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you get to those moments because you really believe it should be for the better, and uh, and sometimes you know the the result is out of your control, and you're just sitting there, you know, high anxiety and stressed out, and it's like, oh my god, why can't I do anything to control the situation? But you, those usually are the moments where it's for the better and, you know, believing and having faith in, you know, whether it's a technology startup or your application or you just launched a production and you're like, God, I hope this works or, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like financial or, or people. It could be any, any sort of pivotal moment, you know, milestone that you have to achieve uh, in, your, in your startup to, to be able to get to the next level. When you get to those pivotal moments, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of do or die. Um, and it's usually for better. It's about living on, right? And living the next day and getting back up and keep going. So, so those moments, you know, if, if it's meant to be, right? Sort of, if it's meant to be and there's a little luck, uh, it's, it's revolutionary. And it's, that's when the breakthrough innovation happens. Um, like for example, at Pay by Face, right? Let me give you a concrete example. So, so I okay. started Pay by Face like three years ago. You know, I was thinking, gosh, you know, I got, I just got back to Romania. I just had lunch at this restaurant and the lady comes back and says, how would you like to pay cash or card? And I was, that was like such, I was like, what do you mean? How do I want to pay cash or card? I could pay whatever I want. I, I have maybe some 
I don't know. I don't care how I pay. Why is it such a problem, right? And then she came back with that little POS and, and the thing was out of batteries and then it ran out of paper and it took me almost half an hour to pay for my lunch. <laughs> and so I was like, God, there's got to be a better way. You know, I mean, there's got to be a better way. And, um, and so looking back, I was like, gosh, you know, maybe we can just pay by face. Uh, right, because I don't leave my wallet. I, I always, I, I, you don't leave home without your face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, and it took me two years. I, you know, I pitched to all the banks. I pitched. Uh, I went to fintech events. I did all this, and I always got a no. You know, everybody was like, no. You know, I don't need to pay by face. I'll pay by NFC. I'll pay by Apple Pay. I'll pay by all these other things. I'll pay by cash. <laughs> And everybody kept saying, no, you know, you know, good luck, <laughs> like, uh, you know, best of luck. <laughs> and I didn't stop. Um, and we kept building it and building it and building it until the moment where I actually had the apps ready now. And I, I had a defining moment where we had to actually integrate into the payment gateway to actually facilitate the actual payment. Um, right, because pay by face isn't going to be anything yeah. without the actual you payment. Pay. <laughs> You've got to pay. So I had the face part, you know, I could pick people by, based on face recognition, but I didn't really have the, it was just on PowerPoint, you know, like in theory, <laughs> on, you know, on the diagram, it should work, but it came time to where we actually had to integrate into the gateway. And it's never been done like this, you know, it's, it was, it was sort of a very unique integration. And, uh, the day that you know the lights came on and the integration worked, and I was actually able to you know scan my face and automatically deduct payment from my card on file, that was huge. I mean, we were like, it's real, you know, it just became real. Um, and really, if if that wouldn't have worked, two years of work would have gone down the drain because you know the, the, there was no turning back or alternative solution or whatever this had to work yeah yeah right and as soon as we hit that moment it was just like okay the seed is starting to show a little leaf coming out of the ground you know like we have a tree <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's alive it's alive <laughs> yeah well you, you did have the experience with the other uh, startups that dwindled faded and uh went out yeah. of uh, existence in the same period that this one survived, so. Yeah, yeah, and those other startups, you know, had all kinds of failures, like co bad co-founders, you know, the investment uh, wasn't fully in fully vested by the investors. I don't know, the market fit just wasn't right. I didn't have time to build the app, you know, there was too much bugs. There's all these reasons why, you know, you, you know, a company doesn't go to the next level and get to those milestones where, you know, have a pivotal moment, you know, or you just don't have the time or you caught COVID and you were in the hospital for a month. You know, there's so many reasons why things should not go as planned. Um, and all of those reasons, you know, all those experiences, uh, you know, because I, I, you know, I went through so many, you know, these failures, I know how to avoid them. So now I know I know the signs, you know, when I when I'm talking to a potential co-founder and you know there's a certain interaction there. I know, you know, that if there's certain things that you're thinking about as a potential co-founder and you you're acting that way, I'm probably not gonna pick you. You know, just like you go interview for a job, if you don't fit the role, you know, you're not gonna get hired. And so that's all based on experience and pattern recognition, you know, and having a process and you do due diligence and all that stuff, which, you know, when I was first getting started, I, I just put an ad on Craigslist and I was like, first come, first serve. 
I don't care. I'll figure it out later. Right. <laughs> and it always turned into problems or stress or whatever. So now, you know, now I sort of take a little bit more time to do my due diligence, you know, put, put the experience that I know to avoid those problems and reduce the risk. Sift through the, the, the wreckage, so to say. Yeah. Yeah. The potential wreckage. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's, it's awesome that you're using failure as a teacher. And yeah. that's something that we try to convey like with all these failure stories because they usually always they start as a failure and then they turn it as a massive learning experience and it helps the person grow. So, and uh, many people view failure as something that should be avoided. Actually, the what I've seen is the most successful to, uh, people are the ones that go and run with their arms open to failure and try to hug yeah. it as often as possible. Uh, of course, you don't have to be super. Stupid yeah, not too crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't be too crazy. Don't take risks. That's like believing you can fly when you jump off of a exactly. really tall building or stuff like that. But. Um, yeah, it's calculated. Something that plausible. Yes, calculated. It's plausible, and uh, there are signs that it, it it's possible. Yeah, go for it. See if it's true or not. You never know what to expect. Like I had a discussion with somebody when I told him that I'm launching this 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 podcast with the interview style, and I told him, I said, well, "Okay, what format?" And I told him, "Listen, it's about it's about leadership, and I have the same." seven questions and same seven questions isn't that going to be boring he says no because i'm not going to have the same guest and each person is different will have different answers yeah and your answer right now it was was even even more different because the first uh, well the what is the biggest biggest leadership success story and fail story rather than going in steps you basically gave me a medley <laughs> <laughs> right and you and and i wanted to take this chance to 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 accentuate to the listeners what basically what Mihai is, is telling you is like the difference between success and failure isn't meters it's inches yeah okay it's sometimes it's seconds <laughs> yeah so it's that's why I mean, look no. at Elon Musk you know I mean that story is, has has this blueprint all over it you know if he had one shot, one last shot, you know, and it just like cross your fingers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> otherwise it would have been Elon who? Elon who? Yeah, Elon who? Yeah, top right? CTO at that company. Nice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. And and it's the team. I mean, it's not definitely just me. I, you know, clearly I'm the visionary and and the motivator, and you know, I have to do. I have to do the last call, right? Which do we go left or right? But but there's a huge amount of effort from all my team, uh, you know, that that lead up to those moments. So there's no there's no way I could do this stuff alone. I mean, you know, I have I have teams on both companies that take care of of all the areas, you know, that need to be taken care of, um, from business, from finance, from legal, accounting, graph, you know, marketing, all of it. So, you know, I, I'm actually co-founder at Tech Ventures Incubator in Bucharest. Um, we have our third cohort of startups this uh, right now active, uh, where we're mentoring and advising, you know, I think there's probably like 10 or 12 startups in this cohort. So, you know, I'm also doing that every Tuesday night and, and mentoring, you know, first time founders and second time founders and, you know, maybe people that are still at the corporate, but they're doing, you know, trying to get into starting a business. 
um, you know, and they come from a whole bunch of corporate experience that they're trying to spin off into a, you know, a product because the corporate product doesn't solve all the challenges. So they, they think they can do it better, <laughs> right. And launch a company to compete. <laughs> right. But there's, there's yeah, all these, good. which is great. I mean, it's initiative, right. It's innovation. This is like innovation at its finest. Um, but it's also the courage and the confidence and your ability to self manage yourself. Because if you've always had a manager telling you what to do, and then you want to go start a company where you're managing your own time. And now we're at home, you know, you got to manage your kids and your wife and your life and everything. Uh, at the same time, you know, at least before you were at the office and you were isolated, but now you're like kind of anywhere. Uh, it's even harder to self-manage. So there's a whole bunch of skills, you know, as an entrepreneur and an innovator that, that you don't get taught in school, you know, and you don't get taught by working for other people technically, unless, you know, it's, an, it's a culture at your company. Uh, to be innovative and take risks and, you know, figure out what happens when you fail and how do you, you know, pivot and how do you, you know, do all that. But it's it's a quite an extensive um, sort of skill set that you have to be uh, very good at to, to lead something, especially in disruptive innovation. Um, you know, because there's so many problems you have to solve, you, you can't just be really good at marketing and right, you have to be really good at marketing, you have to be really good at writing contracts, you have to be really good at managing people, you have to be really good at uh, figuring out, you know, technology stack and, and architecture so you don't scale, you know, where it's it, now your, you know, your company fails because you didn't architect scale. Um, there's so many, you know, aspects that you have to be very good at uh, all of them at the same time as a sort of a leader and a CEO. Yeah, well, I want to interject there. Uh, sure. It's 100%, 100% true what, what you said, but it's more on the lines of you have to be good enough to recognize somebody who is very good at doing this because you never do it all alone. As the CEO, you have, did we drop? Oh, you're no. back. As the C yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're back. Sorry. Yeah, yeah As back. You have to be good enough in, in every like contracting and managing and good enough as to recognize somebody that you can bring on to the team that can do the best in that in yes. that one. And you can always step in if necessary, but don't do it all alone. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. I should have put it a little more into context. You have to know when someone's bullshitting you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah so I, actually, I, I had a really interesting one of one of my advice. I don't know, remember who it was. Maybe it was Sarah, but she said, you know, school, all, all school is, is to know if someone's bullshitting you or not. Uh, tech, tech, if you boil it down, I mean, clearly you get skills, but, but yeah, I mean, to be a leader, you have to know what someone is, is telling you something that's possible or something that's not, because if you have to make a decision on what, which way to go, you kind of have to know, oh yeah, let's go that way because I know what you're talking about. Right. Or if you're just going to let someone tell you what to do, you have no idea to validate their information. You don't know what to expect in engineering you don't do that in engineering. That's called, you know, assumptions. And if you build something on yeah. assumptions, it's gonna, it's gonna be a problem. You're gonna have a bad. You're, even if yeah. you're successful, it's gonna be a problem because then you end up on all major media publications. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. How did we let this happen? Exactly. I'm not gonna give any particulars. Right. Maybe some blood testing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right on. Yeah. And Mihai, summing up like what your experience, especially working especially working with young entrepreneurs doing so many startups and working like for visa which is a huge corporation 
Like, what would be your leadership philosophy? Um, so it's empowerment. Um, as a leader, you have to empower your team. You have to make them feel confident and give them the skills and the sort of clear the runway so that they can take off. Um, you know, I've, I've led teams. Um, and again, I have to go back to Sarah. <laughs> Sorry, it's just there's so many lessons learned from her. Uh, but I, I got put on a, on a team, it was a 30, 30 engineers, uh, 20 of them were in India and 10 of them were sort of in Seattle. And uh, it was the worst performing engineering team at the company. They, you know, they, they missed all their milestones, their burn rate was horrible, you know, they didn't get anything done. It was just bad. All the managers would, would you know, churn every two, three weeks, two months max, you know, no, nobody wanted that job. And I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> let's go okay. figure it out. <laughs> yeah, let's go figure it out. And, um, and you know, I, the first, first, you know, if you're going to be a leader, um, you have to go know your team. Go know, go know who works with you. You know, go know them on a, not like you don't have to go to their house and, you know, meet their family, but you <laughs> have to kind of know what their personality is, you know, what drives them, what motivates them, who their friends are, you know, in the company, who do they hang out with, you know, why do they come late in the morning, why do they leave late, everything about that person, you know, that that sort of, because they're, they're involved, and you have to know why they're involved, and, you know, are they doing it just for the paycheck, are they doing it because, you know, they want to be a part of a product that gets released, what are, what's their motivation, and so my first, basically my first six months at that, in that group, all I did was, you know, meet all of them, you know, I, I would sit with them during any time I had, I would sit with them, you know, and, and code with them and help them, you know, and but at the same time, I was sort of doing reconnaissance, you know, and documenting everything. <laughs> right. So I, I basically created like the new developer onboarding guidebook, you know, so that if any one of them <laughs> left, I had a book, you know, about everything they did. And I just I basically wrote the, that book by hanging out with them. And so that was the first step is really understanding it's knowledge gap, due diligence, right? Just like any, when you raise a fund, you know, the first step is due diligence. They got to know who you are. And even before you get to due diligence, you got to build a relationship, you know, let's have some pitches. Let's go, you know, go to dinner. Let's do a bunch of zoom calls. It feels like it goes on forever, months and months. Like, you know, you're building a marriage and then by the time, you know, everyone's comfortable with each other, then you start working together. That Only then do you actually start working together, right? Up until that point, it's just basically my boss is telling me what to do. And so it took me a while to basically start working together with them, not just being their boss. And all the previous managers were always just the boss, right? And so they were never going beyond the, the status quo. And so I got on a plane and I flew to India and I lived in Hyderabad for three months with these guys. I went to lunch with them. Like we went out partying. We, I was basically one of them. Right. And they, and they, they observed that. And so I, I basically, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, there as a, as a boss, I was there as a friend, so to speak, but also as their, as sort of, I had to solve their problems, right? If, if one of them had, you know, a technical problem, I was responsible for my team to go fix that problem, whether it's because of product or, you know, uh, the graphic designers, you know, did a mock-up that completely doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, it was my responsibility to, to take care of my team. And so I showed them that, look, tell me your problems. Tell me that you, you're struggling. I don't know. You need a new laptop. I don't care what it is. Tell me what your problem is to, to make your life easier, to do your job easier, to solve your problems faster and give that problem to me, 
right? And I'll go clear the runway. I'll make sure that runway is sparkling clean so that when you get ready to, you know, throttle up, you don't have to worry about, you know, a nail popping your tire, right? Yeah. And that's that's leadership. You know, I had I had a couple of really great leaders where, you know, that I learned from who who didn't really, you know, tell me how to do my job. They they basically made made the the roadmap attainable, right? Because they they took down barriers, they, you know, reorganized, you know, politics in the organization, they, I don't know, added more budget or whatever, it gave me vacation when I was exhausted. They, they helped me be more sort of motivated, right, and enthusiastic about my job. Um, and those are some of the key aspects, it's not, it's the human element, right? It's the human man management element that, that is really important to being a leader. You have to know who these people are. You have to be a person <laughs> uh, and sometimes i feel like we we sort of leave that you know at home or whatever we do that only with our friends and it's like you know the boss at work and you're the boss and you, you know you have to things to meet and blah 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 you know some people don't really care about personal problems so i think it's harder to be a leader if you don't really you know relate to your to your team and understand their challenges and struggles and things like that not just from the job role but just from the life perspective right um, that's probably my number one, my number one rule book. Um, and then, and then I think, you know, um, sort of giving them growth opportunity, right? So that it's not just, okay, I'm going to be hired as a senior engineer and I'm just going to be senior engineer forever. Some, some senior engineers, that's all they want. They don't really care advancement. You know, I just want to, you know, yeah. put out flyers, put out fires and, and do greenfield development. That's fine. But there, you know, you have to know who, who your team is and understand, you know, financially, right, financially and career wise, um, what do they want and where do they want to go so that you can help them grow in that role. Right. And this doesn't necessarily mean, you know, single contributors or whatever. It can also be executive level, C-level, you know, co-founder level. Like, why do you want to be co-founder? Do you want to just contribute? Do you want to be CTO? Right. Do you want to build the product and get, you know, 40 percent equity and then, you know, sell it and go do something else? Or do you, you know, do you want to be CTO and build a team and build a, you know, a technology company and, and have the whole, you know, the whole infrastructure under you and, and, you know, leading a team of 300 engineers worldwide. Like, what are your motivations? What are your growth factors uh, as an individual or as a, you know, C-level executive or managerial or all that stuff? So, so kind of knowing the future of that person too, not just their current state, but what is, how do they see themselves in the future in that role so that you can sort of help them get there, right? Even if it means that they want to be you at some point, right? Like, you know, there, I had two senior engineers on that team under Sarah <laughs> that were just battling to be my spot, right? I mean, they, they wanted, that was their, their motivation was to be Mike. <laughs> and I had no problem with that. I wasn't, I wasn't scared of that. I was like, God, I hope you can be me because that means I can go do something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, right? you're going to push me up. Yeah. Push, you're going to push me up or push me to the side or push me to go do what I want to do. Right. I'm doing this because I got told to do it. Right. And I, I love it, but I hope that one day someone can do my role too. And so that's another really important thing about leadership is you can't be stubborn and jealous and all those negative feelings because you're gonna hinder growth and you're gonna ultimately hurt the company. So you have to be very open to the fact that people can be better than you. 
you know, and you're, you know, just because you're whatever a leader on top of the pyramid or whatever you call it, doesn't mean you're the best. Someday someone's going to come by and be better than you. And you have to be able to appreciate and respect that and help that person elevate regardless of what happens to you. Right. And, and so that's, that's really hard. That's one of the hardest lessons to do as a manager or leader is, is, you know, sort of letting go of that role so that someone else can, can grow because of it. Uh, and that probably took me, I don't know, maybe 10 years to figure out. That was probably one of the hardest lessons to learn is delegate, right? The delegate. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like the, the delegate. It's hard. It's really hard because you don't trust. It's, so it's very hard. It's like, I want it done right. I have to do it, right? That was like my mentality for the first 10 years of my career. I, I do it. I do it right. But then it was like, okay, no, I, can, I don't have to do it to do it right. I can get other people to do it and help them achieve their goals. And that's when things really started opening up. Yeah. No, it's it's a lot of people dream about being the boss and I can be the boss and boss people around. Just trust me, delegating stuff to other people is really hard. It's something that you have. You either start really young and understand the process behind it and get experience. Like 10 years experience might sound a lot. It's not. Yeah. Notice this around other, other founding leaders, CTOs, or people in uh, in place of having teammates and employees. They basically said about around the same thing. And another thing that you mentioned before that getting to know your team, I can almost hear the thoughts of introverts mm-hmm. saying like, well, one day they're going to be robots and mm-hmm. you won't need to know them, which is the, the, mm-hmm. the wrong, it's so wrong. Even if you have robots, you will still need to read the documentation to understand yeah. the limitations of the robots. <laughs> yeah. So this is, you this to is know them. unavoidable no matter what you do. Yeah. <laughs> you're working with something, you have to know what makes it tick how it works. If you're a lumberjack cutting, chopping down trees, you have to know everything about your ax. There is to know. And then everything and the about tree. your tree. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Un- unavoidable. Yeah. And I already feel like you answered a big chunk of the top leader tips you have for aspiring leaders. Or do you have some others? Other tips. <laughs> um, be more open to risk taking. Um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of companies, you know, corporate, uh, they're very risk adverse. And clearly, I mean, that's okay, especially in a financial situation that we are in. You know, risk has been chopped away. Like <laughs> we're taking zero risk, no investments, no risk, no hires, no nothing. Just turn it all off, <laughs> and let's hope you know the lights don't come <laughs> on. Like that. That is probably the you know the fight or flight. You know, it's like okay, let's fly away and, and hide from our problems. And I think, you know, I want more leadership to be more, not flight, but fight, like face your problem, look it straight in the face and, and be mature about it and really sit down and try to solve it. Not just, you know, put a bandaid on and, and, you know, don't understand why you got hurt in the first place. So it's more, instead of playing nurse, you got to play doctor, right. And really understand the root cause, you know, troubleshoot and really solve the problem at the core, not just, you know, give you headache medicine and send you back home because you're going to come back the next day with another headache. And then, you know, and it's going to get worse and worse. And that's the same sort of pattern that good leaders can't just, you know, give you medication and send you home. They got to really understand the problems and solve them so that those mistakes aren't made a second time. Right. Because that just means wasted money, wasted time, wasted resources. and, And that's 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 I think that's bad management. 
Regarding risk, like you managed, you want people to be more more risky. I want to add something for for people to listen. Being risking stuff doesn't always imply risking money, which is it's it's a pitfall that a lot of people face. Yeah, uh, you can risk or be more risky with with personal stuff or perceived personal stuff like. Uh, picking up the phone and maybe cold calling or doing uh, uh, doing a sales can imply for an introvert risking face. Yes, yes. he perceived that as valuable. Well, he he if it doesn't go the way he wants, he loses nothing. It's yeah. only perceived mm-hmm. risk. But still, the mentality behind doing that kind of risk can help him when he has to put his money where his mouth is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, risk risk is definitely defined, you know, by everybody is this different definition of risk. Um, but just in general, like maybe taking chances, sort of that sort of thing, That's taking it. some chances, you know, d- clearly you're going to be risking something, whether it's time or money or your person or your, you know, your reputation. I don't know what it is, right? You're going to be yes. risk. There's a trade off by taking a chance because you don't know the outcome. But um, it's not necessarily gambling. I don't say go out and gamble your life away. <laughs> right? yeah. uh, but it's, it's, it's just doing something new and not being scared of it, right? Not being scared that you may not succeed yeah. at first. It's okay. Like yeah. we all learned to freaking crawl before we walked. Nobody's crying about that. <laughs> yeah. you know? So yeah. it's, just, it's just the way it goes. You got to go out, fall a little bit, fall a little bit, you know, but just get up. Know that you can get up. It's okay. Sometimes you'll fall and you'll really hurt yourself because, you know, it was a big fall, but you can still get up and you can still sort of learn from how you fell and try not to fall again. Yeah. Uh, and that brings like a, a great topic because when we grow up, we have this idea, we start something, we want to be like this, instantaneously good at it. Yeah. And we always give like never everybody crawls before they walk, but you crawl for a long time. Oh yeah. And it takes even longer to learn how to walk. You stumble and think. So, but I don't know what happens. Like it's like we see babies, <laughs> we had our own experience, but we forget like and we expect like I'm going to do this and I'm going to be great starting the first day. My yeah. first try is going to be a success. It's like a baby saying like tomorrow I'm, I'm going to walk. A bike. I'm going to go get the bike. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get keys, the bike. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to run and all this stuff. No, it it takes time. So so budget yeah. for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then and then really important, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, I think that's really, really important. So, you know, because it's not going to look bad if you go ask for help. It's actually going to look much better on you if you go ask for help instead of going out there and falling down when someone could have said, just don't go down that road because it's a bumpy road, <laughs> right? And then you go complain, gosh, I fell down six times because I took that road. And it's like, you could have just told me and saved a whole bunch of time. So it's really knowing when do you take that chance but also when do you do the homework and you're okay asking other people have you been down this road do you know how many times you'll fall you know and and knowing how to ask for help that's really really important especially if you're in a team you gotta ask for help you know i played soccer you know in high school and growing up i love soccer i I love yeah i love (laughs) organized sports I can make, you know, comparisons between organized sports and corporate, you know, America or whatever, any corporate business. There's You're so the many similarities. I heard saying this. Yeah. And so, you know, organized sports like soccer, I kind of, you know, you can't win the game if it's just one, you know, guy out there keeping the ball the whole time thinking he can beat the whole team like that. Maybe you'll do one, <laughs> two goals, maybe if you're messy, right, or whatever. 
but that doesn't happen. You know, there's thousands of soccer players out there. There's only one Messi and one, you know, whatever. And, wow. and so you have to ask for help. You have to use your team and, you know, you have to know when to use your team and who, you know, who's the right tool for the job uh, and understand that when you're not the right tool for the job and you're not the one that should be, you know, running when you know all you're, all you're good at is crawling and you're not ready for running, go get the guy that's running already to go run <laughs> right? and, and yes. understand how to build a relationship with him so that he can run for you. <laughs> Yeah. So those and are really important. Other, and plus, the other team, if you're, you try to be the whole team, the other team is going to notice. Say, okay, we're just <laughs> our opponent is just one person. So disregard the rest of them. Focus exactly. on that one. Yeah. And yeah, it makes that's... it super hard for you to do anything. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Got to be well balanced. Yeah. And Mihai, what is the book that had the most profound impact on you? can be from any topic, any field. Yeah, definitely. So actually, I don't read um, on the okay. surprise, surprise. I Because I'm a programmer and I code all day long, I don't want to sit and read books. Uh, it's just I'd rather go outside or do something else. I mean, I watch videos and things like that. I read a lot of articles on the news, uh, but sitting down and reading books, I just, I just, I never really got into that, honestly. Someone um, recommended a documentary instead of a yeah, book. and, and probably, and even yeah, documentaries have been great. Um, you know, there's a lot of Netflix documentaries on all kinds of stuff, like you know, the the the. Um, commercialization of, of drugs, you know, and, and like um, how, how um, the, that guy in Colombia, you know, was able to build a, a huge drug empire worldwide. I, I, it's not like I want to build a drug empire, uh, but there's a lot of sort of business practices about, you know, distribution chain and value chain and, and how you manage your whole, you know, teams and it could, um, you know, it, deciphering information up the chain sort of like military tactics i i love sort of the military stuff like way you know whatever it's called way of war or whatever it's called um those are sort of military tactics i i kind of like some of those books but just to recap the last book that i actually read you know cover to cover okay. and there was a three series of this thing um when, when i was really young i probably like 18 or 19 and it's like a fantasy, one of these fantasy uh, warrior, you know, warrior fantasies, like half elf, okay. half, um, I don't know, some weird thing in a fantasy world on a fantasy planet, you know, and, and he wakes up in the desert one day and he doesn't know who he is. And he's got to, you know, do this journey to find his dad and, you know, kind of thing. But there's three series. Uh, and I read all these books, a series cover to cover, nonstop. I was so hooked. Because this guy, you know, this half elf or whatever, had um, sort of a multi personality disorder, uh, but okay. inside of himself, he had different characters, and they're all different flavors of a warrior. You know, like one was really good with a sword, one was really good at like you know espionage, one was really good at at hiding and being deceptive, and you know like 007 style, and it had all these personalities <laughs> inside of him that he didn't know until he became into a situation. Like, you know, he went to, into this bar and it got really heated, you know, and he got into a fight and one of his personalities, which was like this crazy fighting warrior came out, you know, and he beat everybody up and got away, right? Hmm. But he didn't know he had that capability <laughs> until he was put in that situation under stress. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed that because it's like, you never know what someone's capable of doing. You know, you, they might seem 
I don't know, they might seem somehow, but when you put them really under pressure, or you corner them, or you put them in a situation where they have to make, you know, critical decision thinking, right, where it's down to the split second, like you need to know now, right, and you need to action now. Um, I think everyone, all of us have that capability. I think we can all sort of, you know, lift the car up off the baby uh right and show like an incredible amount of strength whether it's mental or physical or doing things that you never thought was possible because you're you're in that situation i think we all have a little bit of that cap capacity um and it really made me understand that you know i'm not i'm not just you know i don't just wake up in the morning have my coffee you know do a you know boring boring day and then i get home kiss my wife and go to bed like i don't want that life i really want to show that i have capabilities that you know are there and I want to put myself in those stressful situations on purpose to get them out, right? To, to push my boundaries, to make me think of new ways to solve problems, to, you know, just to excel at everything I can for as long as I'm alive. And I think a lot of that book, you know, really sort of ingrained that sort of, you can do better or you can succeed if you really focus and, you know, get that, you know, spur, energy to, to go beyond and stay in until three o'clock tonight to get this app out for the client on time tomorrow morning, right? Those are the moments where you just go beyond what's sort of rational and and you achieve things that are almost impossible when, you, when you're in that situation. So I think that was very defining in my life. Do you remember the name of the book? The Nomad. Uh, it was called The Nomad. Uh, the first one, I think it was called The Nomad. And then the other one was like The Outcast. You know, it had all these weird names because each sort of <laughs> phase in his life, you know, as adolescence and teenager and then older as he got closer to finding his dad, you know, they had like The Outcast was the first one. I think The Nomad is traveling around. And then uh, at the end, I don't know what it was. I think it was actually The Warrior. You know, he was finally The Warrior. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's it still it it uh, it holds true to the um, to the hero's journey. The hero's journey, absolutely, the, yeah, yeah. is yeah. the classic. But here it's the uh, multiple heroes journeys. <laughs> it is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in one character. Yeah, and Mihai, if if people want to reach out to you, uh, where should they go? Um, so I have my LinkedIn. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn, Mihai Radu Dragic. Um, I think I have a photo, you know, wearing some sunglasses. I look pretty fly. <laughs> um, <laughs> for a white guy. <laughs> for a fly, yeah, fly for a white guy, exactly. Um, and and then, of course, uh, pay by face, uh, Mihai at paybyface.io. Uh, it's my most active startup and, and then, you know, paybyface.io, you send any sort of message to anywhere in that, uh, in that domain, I'll get it. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll add contact details and anybody listening in can uh, check the show notes to get in touch with Mihai. And do that. Much, Thank you, Mihai. Thanks, guys. Peace. Have a good one. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe and share please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.